This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. I'm Eric G, and coming up on this week's episode, we're going to talk about the biggest change to happen in college football in the past three years and how it's having a major impact on both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, but more so the Cowboys. And if you pulled this up, hoping that we were going to break down the recruiting classes. Well, one, we only do this once a week. And I record prior, or I am recording prior to National Signing Day. Two, there are enough podcasts out there that break down recruiting classes that just go absolutely balls to the wall on stats, on stars, on rankings, on all that stuff that if you can't find one, you're just not looking hard enough. And I want to do something different. I wanted to do something different with this podcast. So I'm going to continue that commitment to be a hell of a lot different than everyone else that you can listen to out there because why do any of, you, any of us want to be the same? Why, do I, why would I want to be the same as the next guy? Why would you want to be the same as the next guy? Don't you want to be different? Don't you want to stand out in a crowd? Yeah, well, that's what we do here at the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Also, uh, this is the second to the last Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Coming up at the beginning of the year, we go all OU all the time. Again, because OSU fans played poor Aggie syndrome way too much. And, oh, I can't have my news mixed in with OU news. I'm offended. Well, okay. If that's the way you want to roll, we're going to give you somebody that's all OSU all the time because we don't want you to be disappointed. Actually, I don't have anything against OSU fans, but I do think sometimes that the whole poor Aggie thing and, oh, he likes OU or he went to OU. Ah, Come on. Seriously, get over it. I will listen to anybody talk about my school if they've got good opinions on it, if they can provide good information. So the butt hurtness, well, that's that's causing us to make a change. All right, enough of that garbage. Let's talk about the biggest change that happened in college sports over the past three years, okay? And that is the fact, and this is this is funny. This is hilarious when you think about it because well, the one thing that everybody complains about when it comes to the NBA is the fact that the players have too much control. In fact, there's one talk show host at Oklahoma City that thinks Adam Silver's the worst commissioner in professional sports when actually he's the best, hands down the best. And he's upset with Adam Silver because the players, uh, the players, they have too much control. Well, guess what? That is filtered over into college football. And instead of you saying that the players have too much control in college football, what you're saying, what the redundancy is, and what everybody keeps, well, repeating, which, all right, now I'm being redundant. Uh, what, what everybody keeps saying is, as well, is if the coaches can leave, then the players should be able to leave. That, that, that's what everyone's saying. It's one of these things that, that has always looked good on a piece of paper, Well, actually, it doesn't look good on a piece of paper. It's one of these things that always sounds good to say. If the coaches have freedom, the players should have freedom. And if it's a business, then the players need to be able to look at it as a business as much as the coaches do. And this is essentially just professional sports, but it's not. 
And the biggest difference between professional sports and college sports, and I've said this a hundred times, but you're going to hear it again, players in professional sports are under contract. You sign a contract, especially in a sport like the NBA, you sign a five-year max. You are property of that team for five years. They control your rights. You're an asset. Now, you can be Paul George and you can come in and demand a trade, and that's all fine and well. If if the Oklahoma City Thunder or whoever can agree to that, that's, that's cool. You don't want to be there. You're under contract. You want to demand a trade. No issue with that. But Oklahoma City got compensation for Paul George. Lots of compensation that's helping them build the, the basketball team that they have now. Oklahoma State, on the other hand, is losing Mason Cobb to USC, which is sort of strange when you think about it because, one, why would anyone want to go play defense for a Lincoln-Riley coach team? Lincoln-Riley could care less about defense. You're not going to become a better defensive player in a Lincoln-Riley program than you would have had you transferred to Texas A&M, which made sense. And look, I, I understand, Mason, that A&M wasn't as good as USC last last year, and you've got issues with Jimbo Fisher, and maybe that made you a little bit squeamish, and you wanted to get closer home. And let's face it, all of us would love to spend at least a little time out in Los Angeles because of the consistent weather, the beaches, the really good-looking women, and, of course, the stars. So I don't necessarily blame him to go for to, to L.A. I, do, I just don't get why you would want to go play defense for Lincoln Riley. If you were a, a receiver, a quarterback, a tight end, heck, even an offensive lineman, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Defensive player, not so much. Oh, well, he's playing for Alex Grinch. No, you're still playing for Lincoln Riley. Because Lincoln Riley is the one running that program, and Lincoln Riley needs to put more of an emphasis on that side of the ball. Either way, Mason Cobb, I wish you good luck. I say all that to say this. Mason Cobb leaves to go to USC, and what does Oklahoma State get in return for it? Not a damn thing. Nada. Nothing. Whereas if Mason Cobb, left via free agency, and I'll use Major League Baseball for this example, left via free agency in Major League Baseball, and then I know there's certain stipulations, his former team would be warded with a compensatory draft pick. If Mason Cobb was under contract to Oklahoma State and wanted to play at USC and Lincoln Riley wanted him, you guys could orchestrate a trade. And Oklahoma State would get something in return for Mason Cobb. As it is, they're just left holding the bag. Now, hey, according to 24-7, for what it's worth, Oklahoma State, I think, is they're the eighth, they're the eighth ranked team in the transfer portal rankings, meaning that the, the seven commitments that they got in the transfer portal make them are supposedly going to make them that much better. But hey, all these kids, and I think as, as OU fans can attest, that not all transfer portal kids end up panning out. In fact, Dylan Gabriel struggled mightily this year despite some OU fans thinking that he was the next he- he was the next Heisman Trophy winner. So what do you do about this? And think about this for a second. Trace Ford, 
There was a report out a few days ago that Trace Ford is visiting OU. How are you feeling about that, Oklahoma State fans? How are you feeling about that knowing that the school you hate the most has an opportunity to steal one of your best players? How do you feel if Oklahoma State ends up in the same position as UTSA is? And I'm just saying UTSA because this is what their coach has pointed out. Or the Washington State head coach. Both have both said their players are being targeted, their players are being poached, and a lot of the ways that they're being swayed is through NIL money. And what I hear from fans is, oh, it's all cool because what you're thinking is, hey, my school's not in the position where they're going to get taken away. My school's going to come up with enough NIL money. Well, Oklahoma State, you may not be able to come up with enough NIL money to keep your players. And as it stands now, the transfer portal has taken away a lot more than it's given Oklahoma State. And you can talk about the transfer out of Tulsa, Justin Wright, all you want. He's a great player. He's not going to be the caliber of Mason Cobb. And one player doesn't replace him and Ford. And quarterback-wise, you're hoping that Garrett Rangel pans out, as well as this kid coming in from Nebraska that you're signing. You're hoping all that happens, but there's no guarantee to it. The players have all the power. Now, my co-host, Pat Jones, every day will tell you that the the only way to curtail this is to force kids to sit out a year. And I don't agree with him on that. I don't, I don't think that is the right answer. But if we have determined that college sports is going to be, if we've determined that it's going to be professional sports for all intents and purposes, then what we need to do is treat it like professional sports and start putting these players under contract. Start forcing them to sign. Once you sign your letter of intent to play at Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, essentially that amounts to a five-year contract because you've got four to play five still. And if you want to transfer and some school wants wants you to transfer there, then it should be open, it should be transparent, the schools should be able to talk to each other, and there then there should be some sort of fair compensation for when you, the player, leave school A to go to school B. And I don't know if you can necessarily get players in return. I don't know if it'll go that far. But what I will say, and, and probably the best way to look at this is, okay, so Oklahoma State loses Mason Cobb. Fair enough. They lose Trace Ford. They lose Spencer Sanders. Well, not only should you get back the scholarship you're losing from those guys, but an extra scholarship should be able should be put on top of that. Because there's not a draft, but you should be able to bolster your depth some way, shape, or form because that's the biggest problem with all this. I mean, it sounds fine and well to let kids just go wherever they want, when they want, but your depth shrinks and it dies. Therefore, you cannot build a program. And a lot of schools are going to be caught in the same situation every year where you're you're starting over. You don't have any continuity throughout the program because players are leaving or you've, you've 
committed to the transfer portal and kids are only staying one year and they're on to the NFL or they're, they're on to another school, ridiculous. No, you have to be in a situation where somehow your depth doesn't get completely depleted. And that would have to be the biggest concern right now for Mike Gundy is that the depth at Oklahoma State has been depleted through the transfer portal. And guess what? Oklahoma State's not even the worst. We'll tell you what school is much worse off than Oklahoma State, which, by the way, had 13 jump into the transfer portal. 13 was at 11. It was a high number. We talked about that on last week's show. But I'll tell you what school is getting hurt the worst and I'll tell you about a situation at Oklahoma which ought to raise some big-time red flags concerning one kid coming in through the transfer portal. You're listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. Happy holidays to you. Um, all right, so we're talking a lot today or this week about the transfer portal and, and how the biggest change in college sports over the last three years is that players have gained all the control. Think about this if you're a coach. You've got to constantly re-recruit your players. And if some kid leaves via the transfer portal, for whatever reason, not playing time, he got yelled at, he got yelled at, he just doesn't like the school, you're going to get blamed for it. Mike Gundy, Brent Venables are going to get blamed because they didn't do enough to keep the kid there. Well, maybe it was just a bad fit. Maybe the kid is not as good as he thinks he is or the coaches thought he was. Maybe they made a mistake. There are all sorts of reasons kid tra- kids transfer. And it's not simply because of bad coaching or bad culture or bad atmosphere. Think about when you were the age of, let's start at, start at 15, because that's when most of these kids get recruited. It's around 14, 15. Think about the time you were 14 to the time you were 22 and how many bad decisions you, you made through, throughout your life. Probably a lot. Probably more than you care to count, more than you can count. And there's some that maybe you forgot about that people remember that if they came back, it would make you absolutely cringe. All right? Well, these kids are no different than us. And even though they may be more mature, they may have you know access to more information, or they may be ready to play, it doesn't absolve them from being teenagers and young adults still out there in the world trying to develop. And I think a lot of times what happens in the portal is that kids make emotional decisions versus well-thought-out decisions. I think a lot of time in recruiting, you're making emotional decisions versus well-thought-out decisions, which, by the way, side note, with this being National Signing Day, or, or National Signing Day week. Why are we even rating recruiting classes, which OU, according to ESPN, I am going to bring this up, according to ESPN, has the fifth overall ranked recruiting class. Rivals has them at um, ninth, and 24-7 has them at eight. But why rank them anymore? Because you almost have to account for a third of your class leaving. So let's just say for grins and giggles that OU has the fifth-ranked recruiting class, but a third of them bail out via the transfer portal after a year or after a spring and a fall. Does that really mean you've got the fifth-ranked recruiting class? No, it it doesn't. It means it was fifth-ranked at the time, but it's not necessarily the fifth 
best class overall because maybe some of your best players that got you that ranking are now playing for other schools. I, I and this is how this is how wacky things have gotten over the over just the la, over the last few years. And I don't know if you saw it um, in the past week. And this I really wanted to talk about this. Deshaun McCullough. He's the he's the kid. Um, he's the defensive player from Indiana that's transferring to OU. And just so you know, his father happens to be a coach at Notre Dame. Coached in Indiana, got a, a job at at Notre Dame prior to Indiana. He was actually with the Chiefs. Well, according to Sports Illustrated, McCullough wanted three hundred thousand dollars in NIL money up front from an Indiana collective. 300 up front plus another 5k every month on top of it. So for the 2023 season, he'd be making $360,000 a year. All right. Cool. You can make 360,000 a year. Well, Indiana, that particular collective that he talked to told him we don't have that kind of money. Anything over $100,000 starts to raise red flags. And it's probably not a good idea. So another collective got involved, and they came up between them with a total of $200,000 they can give him up front, and apparently that wasn't enough. Now, it's not the only reason he left Indiana to go to OU, and I have no idea what kind of NIL money he's been promised at OU, which you're not supposed to be doing anyway. But I have to think that that is part of the deal. That's just assumption, and maybe that's bad on my part. I don't know that I necessarily want to know. But, again, as a kid, I mean, if you're saying they're professional athletes and you and you like to make the argument, well, professional athletes go where the money is. These college kids should be able to go where the money is. Okay, that's, again, fine and well. But, again, put them under contract. Put them under contract so I'm not Brent Venables and I have to worry about LSU being able to pay kids more than mine. So even though LSU didn't recruit my kid when he was in high school and I brought him in and I developed him and I made him a better player. And after two years, all of a sudden they decide they want him and can contempt him with NIL money. That's wrong. Now, big school on big school crime. It is what it is. If OU wants to poach from USC and vice versa, I say go for it. But I do have a problem when people start targeting the UTSAs and the Tulsas and schools like that and weren't giving these kids scholarships at the beginning, and now all of a sudden they're just they're taking them away. I mean, this is just – it's one of these things that you can't quite put the genie back in the bottle, but you've got to do some work on it. And dare I say you've got to be creative. You got to be as fair as you possibly can, but more importantly, you've got to be creative on how you're going to curtail this because as of now, especially the smaller the school, the more you have to wake up and worry every single day about one of your players leaving, going to a bigger better school. So no matter how many hours you put in on the recruiting trail, no matter how much you talk to this kid, no matter what you do for him, just because you're Tulsa not OU or not USC, you might not be able to keep a kid. Some folks are all right with that. I'm not because it's it's just not it's not good for the game in any way, shape, or form. 
But for OU and Oklahoma State, they, they've been deeply affected by this, OSU more so, um, because you can not only lose a kid like Mason Cobb to USC, you could lose Trace Ford to, to OU. You're going to lose Spencer Sanders. Um, as far as Oklahoma goes, they seem to be um, getting better via the transfer portal versus worse. It's just kind of the way that things have worked out. But it's it's weird. And, and, I, and I wanted to talk about this because I think I get a little irritated when people talk about how, well, this was just great for college football. Well, it was great when you were OU and you were getting Jalen Hurts. Wasn't so great when you were OU and you lost Caleb Williams, who went on to win the Heisman at USC. That wasn't good for you at all. And I did mention, I did tease. OSU didn't have it bad. The worst, the worst school. And I should have mentioned this early on. Jackson's Jackson's uh state. The, the place Deion Sanders is living, 27 kids in the transfer portal. Ten of them are going to follow him to Colorado. Okay, that's fine. So 10 follow to Colorado, but you've got 27 in the portal. That is a recruiting class plus two. And man, bless his heart, the guy that is that is taking that job over from Deion Sanders. Think about this for a second. You get your dream job. You get the opportunity to go be a college football coach. You're all excited about it. But then you look, you turn around and you realize 27 of your best players, and I'll just assume they're 27 of your best players because they were all there probably because of Deion Sanders and how he was able and, and the great recruiting job that he did. But now all of a sudden, hey, guess what? 27 of the kids that you would have had aren't going to be there. At least 10 of them are going to go to Colorado. So you got to replace them. And you may have to replace 17 more. And there is absolutely no way you being named head coach in December are going to be able to go out here, which, you know, on National Signing Day or two weeks for National Signing Day, and replace all of them. You're going to have to hope to get some of them in February. But even then, it's probably going to be a stretch. So just take all of that, all I'm saying is, is I'm not trying to change your mind. If you think that the transfer portal is a great thing and the NIL is awesome, that's great. And I don't think they're just just horrifically bad, you know, satanic crap. But I do want everyone to kind of have the whole story when talking about this, so we can actually form intelligent opinions about it, and not only just know what we're talking about, but try and see it from as many angles as possible. Real quick, I want to end on Christmas wish list for both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and it is the same thing. I've got one thing, one thing that I want to see from Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and that is can these running backs like Ollie Gordon and Gavin Sawchuk develop and have major impact in 2023? That's what I want. Um, Also improve defense. I guess I should go. That that seems like that should be on our Christmas list for OU every year. Just improve defense. Be able to hold teams to 24 points and less throughout next season. Thank you so much for listening this week. Um, Have have some great holidays, man. Enjoy the time with your family. Um, If you don't enjoy time with your family, then enjoy time with people that you like and love. Just get out. Just go hug somebody this week because it's Christmas. And remember, and I'm dead serious when I say this every week, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. 
And since it's going to be about 12 degrees at one point this week in Oklahoma, we'll quote David Lee Roth and say, stay frosty.